Welcome to another episode of Paranormal, the New Normal. I'm your host as always, Jeremy, here to try to make the world seem a little more normal. And today I might achieve that goal, but my guest today is going to help me achieve that goal. And my guest is Amanda Kate, who is a kinesiologist, and I hope I didn't butcher that. And she is also an author, a mother, and so much, so much more. There's so, there's, there's so many titles she has, I just couldn't list them all here even. But we'll let her tell us about that in a minute. How are you doing tonight, Amanda? I'm doing really, really well. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Your profile definitely interested me, interested me and I was like, hmm, I never heard of that. So I definitely <laughs> need to talk to her about it. But I love what I love what I've heard. I love it's we really rare. I don't hear something in the paranormal field and spiritual field. But when I when I see come across those, it's like a gold mine. So love but it. first things first, the first question I ask everybody on this show, what got you into the paranormal slash spiritual world? For me, um, I think it's the same as most people. I don't think we get here if we've walked an easy path, <laughs> you know, certainly nobody I met um, who was studying kinesiology with me had walked an easy path. And I think it is through those tests and trials of life that we turn to something bigger, we turn to something greater, we turn to something that can be felt but can't necessarily always be seen or it's not a tangible thing. It's it's that greater power than us. And in that pain often comes a point of surrender where we just go, okay, show me the way, you know, <laughs> show me how the hell to get out of this. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I guess it's that. It's, it's walking a challenging path. It is having those knockdowns. It is searching for something greater and deeper and bigger to hopefully give different perspectives on what's being experienced in that physical realm. I like that. I mean, we all should be looking, trying to find something bigger than ourselves to work on in life and mm -hmm. to actually have it as an end goal, which, yeah, which, which is why, I'm, which is why, which is why I do with this podcast. I, at least I like to think it's what it is trying to get people out there who normally wouldn't get out there and tell their stories, which mm. is a great thing always. Yeah. So question, the second question I always ask is, and it's okay if the answer is no, but have you ever had any experiences of any kind with anything in the paranormal spiritual world, such as ghosts, spirits, uh, yeah. any, any, any of the furrier, hairier types or gray types? Yeah, no, look, for me, it has definitely been more the spiritual world. Um, you know, I have had messages come through from um, other people's ancestors or, or loved ones who've passed. Um and I think, you know, the first time it happened, I was actually a child and it was shut down very quickly. Um, and so I shut it down myself for so many years after that. And I still remember the very first time that I really had an experience with a spirit. I was working on a friend of mine when we were doing our Reiki training and I was working around her head and I've looked down next to me and there's this young girl standing there about probably eight to 10 years old. And I looked at her and I'm going, how is the person I'm working on your mother? Like my friend had never told me that she'd lost a daughter. 
And as soon as she opened her eyes after that session, she said, my daughter was with you, wasn't she? And I said, yeah, you might have wanted to warn me about that. I didn't know I could see things like that. And and she then told the story about her daughter who had cancer and ended up passing away um, through the through the treatments and things and and that was really the first time that I had that full on I guess more tangible experience of spirit since I'd started opening up again um, and since then they've come relatively regularly. All right and. We may go back to that in a little bit, but we'll, mm. we I got some more area to explore first before I, yeah. Just, I mean, I could do a whole episode on just different encounters of spirits, but, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I want, I want, I want to focus on the part of it that I haven't heard of. Yeah. Before, which, what is kine, kinesiology? Kinesiology. I swear to God, I'm, I'm going to butcher that the whole episode. I'm just letting you know. That's all right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so kinesiology in Australia is a little bit different to what you call it in the US. Uh, in the US, it tends to be more about the muscle movement. So it's more with physical therapists, occupational therapists, that in that sort of group of, of professionals and therapists. In Australia, it's more the energetic kinesiology. So we are looking at movement, but it's not just movement of muscles. It's also movement of energy, movement of, you know, chi, prana, life force, whatever you want to call it. It is the movement of emotions through the body. So we look at, um, you know, you can come in with a whole heap of symptoms. And what you get when you go to the doctor is you've got diabetes. Why do you have diabetes? Because you've got all these symptoms. Or why do we have these symptoms? Because I've got diabetes. You see where this is going. It's like the you've got this because you've got these symptoms and you've got this because you've got these symptoms. Well, why do I have these symptoms? Because you've got this. It's, it's just a closed loop. There's no answers as to why. And what we look at in kinesiology is we want to know if you've got a certain genetic disposition, you still need stresses to flip different switches for that genetic expression to be fully realized. And we want to look at what some of those stresses are that are creating those disharmonies within the body. And so we will look at rebalancing and using vibrational medicine and sound healing and plant essences um, essential oils, things that have a really high vibrational uh, signature to shift those resonances out of the body. And what we want to do is bring the stories from the subconscious mind into the conscious mind so that we become more aware of the patterning that is creating the behaviours in our external world. So it's really looking at what was the stress when was it planted there? How was it planted? What was the event and the emotion that got this story and this stressor stuck in place? And then we look at shifting it out of the body through vibrational means. So it is really one of those somatic therapies, a little bit like when you've got EMDR or EFT tapping or hypnotherapy. It's really going deep into the bodily physiology to shift that vibrational resonance out. Makes sense. And I I've had a I've had a hypnotherapist on here before, so that mm. I get that completely. And hello, Hafner Paranormal. Glad to see you guys watching tonight. But yeah, I mean, so basically it's trying to find the root cause of something. Mm. And yeah. it's and it's it's funny you mentioned diabetes because my wife was actually just diagnosed with that a, a couple like a week or two ago. But mm. in I mean it's so basically it's trying to 
basically avoid all the pills and all the machines that doctors want to put us in, mm. which do, I mean, from what I, from, from the research I've done, a lot of those machines do shorten your lifespan with radioactivity and whatnot. So it's just, it makes sense. And I mean, p- pills are not good for any organ or body. So. Well, let's face it, with with a medicine, for example, you're putting a foreign substance into the body and every pill has side effects. What they are hoping when they put that pill into your body is that the so-called desired side effects are the ones that happen and the less desirable side effects are the ones that do not happen. But that's obviously not always the case. And, and we always have side effects from things that we're putting into our body. Even if we're looking at processed food, we have side effects from that stuff that we're putting into our body because it's not a natural substance for us to be ingested. And and so it is quite interesting. Now, if we chop our leg off or if we're in a car accident, yes, we want that, you know, that type of medical system where we can be sewn up, where we can be healed, where, you know, we do have things like, you know, antibiotics to stop infection. There are reasons that we have some of these things. I had a a really close girlfriend of mine go through some health issues earlier this year, and she probably wouldn't be alive today without that type of medical intervention. So there is a place for it. And also we know that in a lot of cases it does do damage because they're not looking at the total health. You know, a cardiologist will look at the the heart system and an endocrinologist will look at the way your glands are working and this person will look at this, but nobody's looking at the whole picture. And so you can be on competing things that are damaging other parts of the body, but nobody's actually recognising that that is the case and that there's, there's those disharmonies going on. And what we want to look at is that your body has an innate knowing of how to heal itself. It really understands what it needs to do to be in balance. And we ignore that side, you know, because we're taught to go outside of ourselves for answers rather than turning inwards. So we don't listen for the guidance that we're getting from our body to say, actually, you really need to do this, this, or this. Makes, so, makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, as far as those side effects go, I mean, we've all seen the commercials. If you took this pill, please call us so we can get you money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, but, and hello, Ashley. And I don't know more. I don't know who Debbie is, but okay. <laughs> but, and Michelle, this is not one of those episodes, I don't think. But if you want to come on some, if you want to come on sometime, be sure to message me as Jeremy Bryant on Facebook. But but anyway, so your what you're saying basically is knowing our emotions and knowing what's going on in our head will impact our health. It will impact mm. our physical health, which how are those connected really? An interesting point, um, you know, people do think it's in our head. They think that our subconscious is in our brain between these two ears. But our subconscious is in every single bit of our being, whether it be a physical, you know, cell within our meat suit that we're walking around in or a vibrational frequency that's held in our auric field. Every little piece that is us has a memory of everything that has ever happened is happening now and will ever happen to our body. 
And so what we're doing is really tapping into that. Now, I tend to mostly or I tend to focus on the stuff that has happened that is informing what is happening now because as we change that vibrational pattern, we're then changing future behaviours because, you know, say for me, if I get into an argument with my partner, I can now actually in the middle of it go, whoa, hang on a minute, why am I, why am I in this right now? What's been happening how old am I right now? And a number will pop into my head and I'll be like, okay, so, you know, I'm 28. What was happening then? This was happening. Huh. Is that actually his fault? Or am I just taking it out on him because this stuff happened that's reminded me of that past event and therefore I'm reacting from that past point of view? And we do it all the time. But it's almost like now I can I can kind of coach myself in the moment. Not always, mind you, but I'm getting better. Um, of of going, you know, this past is informing this present state of being. This past is informing my current behaviours. What needs to change so that I'm not taking all of those past behaviours that were not life-affirming and and have a different outcome coming through? Makes sense. I mean... We all know that stress can lead to a heart attack and so on and so on. Like our emotions definitely do affect our health, yeah. but it just seems like maybe our emotions affect our health in ways we don't even realize. Oh, I yeah, mean, absolutely. Which that's that's pretty trippy that our emotions have that much of a sway on us. Which Well, if you think about it, so when we come into this world and, you know, I, I know I can go here because, you know, you've already said you love all the out there stuff, but we come into this world from that pure God source, from pure love and joy and peace and happiness, from the universal all that is. And we come into this restrictive little meat suit that cannot feed itself, cannot clean itself, can't do anything. We burst out into most often a hospital room with all these strangers and bright lights and clinical sterility and we're ejected out into this cold world from this beautiful, warm, safe loving environment and from that moment we need to understand that we are not the all that is that we are individual so even if our mother leaves us to cry and let's face it most baby books that I read certainly as a mother when I was becoming a new mum 17 15 years ago and that my mother read they were all about controlled crying they're about getting the child into your routine so that they were less of an inconvenience or whatever it was read between the lines But in that leaving a baby to cry, that baby is feeling abandoned, is feeling rejected, is feeling unheard, is feeling unloved, whatever story it needs to make to understand that it is not part of everybody else. And that has been proven now through recent trauma research that some of those things then inform the stories that we move forward with and that actually influence our life. And the state of our mother when she gave birth, the state of the family home when we were born, the state of our family home right through our life, the you know, the culture that we're born into, whether it be a religious one, whether it be a, you know, just general society with, you know, magazines throwing messages at us and TVs throwing messages at us and all of the different messaging that we're receiving, we will pick up the stories that we need to individuate us in this lifetime. And then it's almost like we're trying to do all the rest of the work to be able to get back to understanding 
who we are within this bigger picture. But it's all about being accepted by our by our family group. And that family group, if we're not accepted by them, our our physio our physiological response is it's live or die. So if we're not accepted by the family who we are born into, we are going to be cast out into the wilderness and we're going to die and we cannot survive alone. So every reaction, every behaviour that we develop is to keep us belonging to this tribe and we will not just look at what our family says, we will look at what they do, we will look at how they are accepted or how they are rejected by the people around them. And so we have all of this conditioning squishing into us from very, very early on. And that all informs how we move forward, what stories about ourselves we believe or that we disbelieve. So, you know, whether we're told we're stupid or whether we're told we're intelligent or whether we're told that we're good looking or whether we're told that we're funny or whether we're told whatever it is, we will choose actually which of those stories we remember and we live to through all of that early conditioning. And then we will keep living to them and reinforcing them. And that creates disease in the body because we're not always living to what is true, so to speak. I agree and like that a lot, actually, mm. which, hello, Debbie. At least we finally know who you are now. Um, mm-hmm. And But I want to say that well, okay. First things first, I want to say it's the last time I got a chance to speak, but I love that you call it a meat suit because that's so supernatural <laughs> and I love it. But, <laughs> but two, yeah, I mean, I I get that. Like, I was personally always the black sheep in my family. I did things and everybody would be like, why do you do that? And it's just, so, I mean, it wasn't exactly live or die for me because I my I knew my family loved me. It's not like I didn't think they loved me, but it was still like, I didn't feel like I belonged in my family. I always felt like the outsider and mm. I would just go by myself and do things by myself. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get that. And it makes sense to me a hundred percent. But so what you're saying is if we work on ourselves mentally and emotionally, then every part of our life should improve. I mean, I know personally when I like, when I went to do things for myself, I would eat. And that's why, I became almost 400 pounds by the time I was a grown adult because I just, I, I seek comfort in food because it's the only thing I really knew because my mom was a good cook. So <laughs> I, I seek comfort there because that was the one time of the day I was always happy is whenever I got fed. Yeah. I mean, like a damn dog, but yeah, <laughs> kind of that mentality. But so, so if we work on ourselves, we'll heal every part of ourselves basically, which that's kind of where therapy comes into it. But I don't, I mean, I don't know what else to, so do you think therapy is a good thing? Like, do you, do you think that, um, therapy is a, like therapist help, or do you think they kind of push our issues a little more and make it worse? Well, I think there's so many different schools of thought on this and to go back to your, you know, your comment about one thing affecting the other, I completely agree. Quantum physicists have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So this meat suit is 4% of our picture. So where's the other 96% mental, emotional, spiritual, um, energetic, metaphysical, transformational, financial, relational, we can go on and on, hormonal, you know, all of these different bits of us 
all come together to make that whole. So you're right. If you're working on, you know, say losing 400 pounds or however many hundred pounds that you've clearly lost because you're, you know, clearly not 400 pounds anymore, um, you know, that will affect all of the other different things. It will affect how you show up in your relationships. It will affect your finances. It will affect things that are seemingly unconnected because of the stories that you're rewriting about yourself. And and I think that's really, really important. And that's part of the reason I call myself a transformational kinesiologist and coach, because you might come to me to say, work on weight, but we might work on all of these other areas of your life before the weight changes, because they're actually the things that are feeding into that problem of weight. Or if you're looking at working on business, we might be working on all of these other things that end up having an effect on business, but we're working on the things that are are feeding into that problem. So we can't really affect one part without affecting the other and without that whole picture coming together. And so I think that's actually a really important point that you make. And I completely agree with you. In terms of therapy, I think it it really depends on the individual. For me, that was a really good place to start was talk therapy. But one of the things I find is in talk therapy, like with counsellors, psychologists, and, and there are really, really good ones out there. But a lot of the time you're talking around and around and around the same issue. And you're not actually getting great tools, great resources that you can put into your life to understand why you're behaving that way and how to change those behaviours. And so that's why I love the somatic therapies, kinesiology, hypnotherapy, reflexology, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, all of these things that work on the body in a much more holistic way where they're looking at the mental, physical, spiritual aspects and bringing it all together so that you're not just working on, say, the mind, you're working on the mind and the body and the spirit. Which makes sense. And yes, thank you. I actually have lost about 110, 120 pounds because of uh, gastric bypass surgery about nine months ago. (laughs) Oh, trust me. Yeah. 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 Actually, I started this podcast right after the surgery. So I actually, it it actually be funny if anybody actually watched all my videos in order, which God help them, because that's a lot of hours. But that that, that you actually can see me slim down the videos, I'm pretty sure. But that's awesome. And, and good work. Yeah, Congratulations I, to you. Because that's a big step. Yeah, I put it off for years and then finally I just said I need to do something because I'm not gonna lose it myself. It's just not gonna happen at this point. Like I need yep. surgical intervention at this point. But and see what a perfect place to use that Western approach and that Western medicine. Absolutely. I, I really applaud you for that. Thank you. And I agree. I mean, therapists, there's a lot like, well, therapists to me are the same as psychics. There's a lot out there. Some, some of them are great and they're going to help you. Some are going to just try to get their paycheck and they're going to just keep you going those circles and until they get a couple grand out of you. And then maybe they'll give you a little bit of a solution. Maybe not. Like, (laughs) it's like a guessing game. I, I, I was forced into therapy when I was younger and I personally, I mean, it helped somewhat, but like, I just wasn't ready for it yet. That was the main point. But I mean, like people like my wife who think therapists are a waste of time because all they do is bring up issues that she doesn't want to bring up, which Mm. is that, I mean, it's therapy is what you make of it. That's always been my bottom line with therapy. It's what you make of it. And you have to be willing to work on yourself as much as they're trying to help you. 
But And you've got to find someone who resonates with you as well. I think one of the big problems that we've got is that we will spend more time shopping around for a car or a new pair of shoes than we will shopping around for somebody who's going to help us with our mental, emotional and spiritual health. And that to me I, is mind-blowing. <laughs> I agree I, I agree for most people. I mean, personally, I, I usually pick up my car right away because I know what I want. And I usually just go on <laughs> I go I go online and order whatever shoes I can find in my size. But I mean, <laughs> when you wear a size 17 shoes, it's kind of hard to find a good selection. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, other than dress shoes, I mean I could find all the dress shoes in the world, but to find comfortable shoes, forget about it. <laughs> so I like to ask this question of a lot of people, mm. but what do you consider spirituality? Like, what is it to you? To me, it's actually interesting because as part of the setup in the first part of my book, I actually do write about it. I think it, for years I was put off the idea of spirituality because I had it tied to religion and the dogma and humanity that you see in religion where this is good, this is bad and fire and brimstone and guilt and shame and all the rest of it. And it took me a long time to even be able to use the word God without having all of that conditioning and story brought up for me. But my idea of spirituality is it's my connection to the divine. It is my experience of the divine. And call it what you will, divine, creator, God, goddess, mother earth, you know, whatever you want to call it, go for it. But I know that there's a higher power than me because if I'm the highest thing there is, we're all screwed. Um, And so I figure there's got to be a higher power. And I've seen it in action. You know, when I walk the beach in the morning and I'm there for sunrise and I see the dolphins swimming and I see my dog run and it's just the most magical or inspiring moments. And it proves to me that there is that higher power, there is that God. And it's the way I interact with that, that for me is my spirituality. Which makes sense to me. I mean, I was the same way. I was brought up Christian, and I, as my listeners, as my listeners know, because I've talked about this many times. But I was brought, I was brought up Christian, and I mean Protestant Christian, and I was big into the church as a kid. Like I was in youth youth group and youth choir and everything else, and just eventually I started seeing the light of things. Ironically enough, and <laughs> it just like I. It took me a long time to separate spirituality and religion as well. Like until I started this podcast, I had no spirituality. I was just there was nothing out there but aliens, maybe. Yeah. But now, after talking to so many great people like yourself, I can now see that there may be more to this world than I can imagine or that I know. But at this point, it's just at this point, it's just the fact that there may be more than i know there may be more than i know out there but i'm not sure and hold on i have to let in the monster but <laughs> but i mean spirituality to me now is a thing that exists yeah. spirituality exists to me now it does and i i mean i just agree that's a good thing mm spirituality is a good thing and i like it like it just makes sense to me in this world that there's something out there more than i know whether it's extraterrestrial whether it's a creator because i don't like the word god whether it's or a or gods like i Mm. like the word gods i do because i like old mythology like oh yeah so interesting it is and it makes me wish that that was true i hope it is but and yes this is the monster but hi (laughs) 
But let me ask you this. Yes. Because speaking of religion, we listen that that leads into us to uh, listening more to external influences than like our own mind. When our own mind is trying to tell us something. Yep. So why do you think our minds do that? Why do you think our minds won't listen to themselves and that they want us to listen to external influences? Well, that's the way we've been taught. If you think about it, going back into that really, I guess, that ancient time, we used to worship the goddess. We were part of the cycles of the earth. We were, you know, giving birth with the seasons. We were planting with the seasons. We were in tune with the seasons. And then God got removed from us shoved up in a cloud in a you know in a white robe with a big beard and it was fire and brimstone and wrath and you know hellfire rained down on those who did not do good enough and in that separation there's been a lot of demonizing of that more feminine aspect and and that's not we're not talking you know sexuality or gender here it is purely the archetypal feminine masculine you know the masculine if you think about yeah yeah, if you think about that masculine um sex organs they're out there they're projective they're you know penetrating it is all of the stuff that you can see and the feminine is that more hidden the play the the wisdom the creativity and we all have both parts within us and we balance them in our own way and express them in our own way out into the world but we've been taught that the feminine is dirty, it is not trustworthy, that logic and control are the more superior things and that emotions can't be trusted. And that is starting to change now. But because we've been taught that we can't trust that knowing inner voice, it's we discount it. And if you think of going back to childhood, we were taught to go to the doctor when we had a problem. We were taught to go to our parents if we were fighting with our siblings. We were taught to go to the teacher if we have a problem at school. We're always taught to go out, but nobody sits us down just before we become an adult and go, right, we've taught you to go out, but you actually have this inner wisdom within you that you know what to do in every situation. How about we teach you how to go in before you go out so that you can read what your body needs and wants, what your soul calling is, what your passions are, what your purpose is, so that you can learn how to trust that internal guidance system rather than trusting that external influence. You know, when our relationships don't work, we go, we talk to our friends, and what we're hoping is that one of them will go, actually, they're an asshole. I think you should break up. And by the way, how about I do it for you? Instead, we're sort of survey monkeying everyone. To, but we wouldn't be asking the question if we didn't already have an inkling of what we knew was true for us. But we doubt our internal truth. It's like we tell ourselves that the lies we tell ourselves are the truth and the truth is a lie. And that's kind of that conditioning that we've got. So we don't trust that internal voice because it can be very quiet. It doesn't scream as loud as, you know, the TV does or people outside us do. It's much quieter. And some people don't have a voice. They've got a feeling or they've got a knowingness or they get a sound coming in their ears. They have other senses, other psychic senses that they use to get those messages of what's going on internally. And we're not taught how to interpret them at all. That I mean, that's very true. I mean, my my mother always taught me like, oh, you need to you need to make sure your clothes match so that people don't make fun of you. Like, like no, 
no. I mean, I, to this day, I never match my clothes on purpose because I don't care what people think of me. I never, I never really did. I mean, my as much as my parent, my mom especially tried to like put that in my head, and my grandmother because I mean that was just the way they wore. But it's just like no. I mean, I loved me. I always loved me. My mother even said she wished she had my self esteem multiple times in life. So, I mean. I always listened to the inner me. That was the always that was something I learned young on my own was just listen to me because no one else is going to agree with me and I need to listen to what's in my head. Yeah. So, and that's beautiful that you've had that from such an early age. I didn't learn that until my late 30s. <laughs> so Well, I mean, I'm always I, jealous of people who got it earlier in life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, per, I mean, personally and since you're just talking about this, I mean, I think that's more of a feminine thing to not figure that out right away because feminine females are much more pushed into peer pressure and much more pushed into, I should care what everybody else thinks more than what I think, because that's just the way like mean girl society is the best way to put it is mean girl society. Like it's just the way it is. I mean, you have to care what the most popular girl thinks and everything she thinks is, I mean, it's high school bullshit basically, but it's just a lot of them, a lot of, girls and some men take it past high school and they take it into the world and as society that's not good but and that's actually what i think is the biggest problem with society is everybody's too worried about what other people think mm-hmm. and F- facebook and twitter and other social media has made that thousands of times worse than it ever <laughs> should have been i mean you think women back in the 1800s were caring like really like oh look what goody whatever is wearing today like oh my god it's so ugly it's it's the same thing we're all wearing but <laughs> yeah like are like am i wrong about that like has has society been impacted by this or no oh look i think men have been as um as affected by patriarchy as women in so many ways um different ways of course but if you think about that good girl behavior if you think about you know that the the idea of what the popular girl says that you need to behave by Men have been told very similar things in terms of their emotional capacity. Well, you know, men don't cry or men don't show that kind of emotion or, you know, whatever that is. And if you fall outside this good girl or this, you know, this idea of masculinity, then then what else is there? You know, and you look at how many people have felt ostracised from community, whether it be, you know, the LGBTQI plus community or whatever it is, there are so many spectrums of all humanity, of all behaviour, and there always has been. And what we're taught is if you're not this tiny one over here or this tiny one over here, then there's something wrong with you. And so almost everybody, unless they naturally fit into those two little tiny, you know, pockets of acceptable behaviour, all the rest of us (laughs) have this screwed up conditioning. Exactly. And I mean, I, I, I love what you're talking about because it's something a friend of mine always talks about in his podcast, uh, Men of the Prize by Harvey Laguerre. And he always says, like, men were taught when we when we were younger, we were taught, oh, you're a guy. Rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Just move on with your day. Like, yeah. you, you, don't, you don't show pain. You're a man. You're not supposed to feel pain. Yeah. Which, I mean, I luckily was never really taught that. Like, I was taught by my father that it's okay to feel things. It's okay to have emotions. And like you can express those emotions and he he always let me express my emotions to him and he yeah. would try to like talk me down if I was really in a bad way but 
he, he would try. I mean, he wasn't always successful, but he would try. Oh, look, yeah. I think, you know, let's face it. <laughs> they're not trained professionals, parents. And I know because I'm a parent no. and I'm certainly not trained in so many things. <laughs> so, you know, Same. I'm completely Same. with you. I think it is about doing the best we can and acknowledging that we're doing the best we can and that our parents did the best they could. And, you know, I think there is this this feeling that I certainly try to go into the world with. Of everybody is doing the best they can in that moment. Now, those people who are acting unresourcefully, you know, who who's to say what trauma they've had? Who's to say what, what they've been through in the last 24 hours or even in the last hour? And so for me, it is going, well, they're still doing the best they can. It may be unresourceful behaviour. It may be, you know, aggressive or, you know, whatever behaviour. But it makes my life easier to look at people through that lens that everybody is doing the best they can. You know, I often say I know I've traumatised my children at certain points of of the journey and I just hope they earn enough money to do the therapy I've done. (laughs) And I'm always happy to sit with them and go, yeah, um, hand up, I did that and that was pretty shitty of me. Oh, I mean, yeah, my, I mean, I, I definitely am guilty of the same thing. I will say my kids have walked into a locked bedroom that obviously a bedroom I thought was locked a few times when they shouldn't have. But, <laughs> and I mean, I, I am also guilty of telling my son sometimes to toughen up, but mm. I mean, that's, to me, that's not the same as telling him like, like put some dirt on it. You're fine. Like telling him toughen up is like, he needs to get ready for the world. Like, and I mean, emotionally and physically, like you need to get tougher and like be ready for the world because i mean he's too young to say to him but the world's not a friendly place and i need to prepare (laughs) him for that as a man especially because i mean he's he's a good kid and he treats everybody right he doesn't put down girls or anything like that which is great i would never teach him to do that but it's just he needs to toughen up a little bit but i'm not gonna (laughs) i mean my father didn't teach me to toughen up that much either so i mean i'm not I'm not going to, I'm pretty much doing the same method my father did, which worked for me and it should work for him as well. I hope, I hope yep. we I can do the, the best we can. Exactly. I mean, we're parents. We're not perfect. We weren't, we weren't put through, we weren't put through classes to be parents, which Hell I also no. think high, high, high school kids should be taught, put, taught to be parents more than sending them home with a fake baby for a week and telling them to watch it. <laughs> like they should be taught like the different stages of parenting and like what, you need to teach your kids at certain levels, but <laughs> but most of least... the adults don't know these days. So you know, <laughs> I think we're all because well, we've got our our parents' trauma and they've got their parents' trauma mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And and I think it is you know we're only starting to really understand trauma behaviors. You know, in the last five or ten years, it, there's more and more research coming out about it, and and I think that is going to start informing those future generations of of better ways to do it, and and I think that's a really important move forward for society as a whole because there is so much trauma out there, both generational and intergenerational, as well as you know all the other bits of societal and racial and you know all of the other things that are creating trauma out there at the moment. And I think the more informed we become about the reactions that happen, the better off we'll all be. See, I mean, you just said it right there, the whole racial thing. I mean, that's another thing our generation was brought up with was, I mean, yeah. I mean, my parents weren't racist by any means. My parents had friends of every race and color and you can imagine, but my grandparents, on the other hand, that was not always the case. 
Yeah. I learned some really bad things from my grandparents and me saying mm. them later in life got me shit. But yeah. it's just, I mean, I try, I don't teach my kids that. Like my kids, I teach them, like I've had my kids ask me like, why is that person's skin darker than ours? And I'm like, because we're all made different. That's the answer. Yeah. We're all made different and we're all made just the way we should be. There's nothing mm. wrong with any of it. Yep. Like you, that's that. Because I don't want my kids to grow up to be part of the problem in the next generation, which mm -hmm. hopefully most parents feel the same way I do. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all we I hope. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of following my intuition. Like that's that's how I raise my kids is I follow my intuition on what I think is the best. I mean, sometimes my anger gets the best of me and I may resort to spanking, which I hate to do, but my kids sometimes are out of control, as you just possibly saw and heard, but they just don't get boundaries yet because they're too young to get it. And also because they don't listen when I try to explain things to them. But mm -hmm. do you think do you think intuition plays a huge part in how we do everything? Or do you think people ignore their intuition more than they should? I think um, I certainly ignored my intuition for most of my life. And, and again, that's a big part of, of what I bring into, you know, the book that I wrote, the work that I do, is that we do rely on that external noise more than we go in, inside and listen to those intuitive nudges. Now, my whole life I had the intuitive nudges, but I didn't trust them. I heard them. I listened to them, but I didn't trust them and I certainly didn't act on them. And I think those two bits are the, the most important parts is actually trusting your intuition, that it is giving you the right messages for you in that moment, and then that we act on it. If I'd acted on my intuition my whole life, my life would have been a hell of a lot different than it is now. But I ignored it. And again, because it comes into that feminine aspect of ourselves and again, archetypal feminine aspect of that intuition, of that really deep knowing of the subconscious, of the understanding of that which is hidden, that aspect of us is innate within all of us. All of us have it. It's not just mother's intuition or women's intuition. Men have it too. and But we're taught, especially, you know, again, with that narrow band of acceptable behaviour, you know, for those that identify as male, intuition doesn't come into it. You know, for women, intuition, you kind of get taught about mother's intuition, which implies it's something you get when you grow up. You know, but we all have it. Children, if you watch them, they are nothing but intuition. They act on their impulses. They do it. And sometimes, of course, it doesn't work well because they don't have all of the other, you know, reasoning and common sense aspect. And But my intuition has never steered me wrong. And sometimes it feels crazy. It sounds crazy. It looks crazy. And to the outside world, it probably is. But because it's my intuition, it's telling me what I need to do for my highest good. And I think that is really, really important, understanding that and knowing it. I agree. I mean, my intuition has saved me in more cases than I know. Like, I've I've met women online, like online dating for years before I met my wife, my now wife. And I have literally have driven up to these women's, like, apartments, houses, whatever. And the first glimpse I get of them in their environment, and it's just like my brain tells me, turn around. You are yep. going to make a big mistake. And, and I just, 
I immediately am like, yep, I got it. Like I, something's off here. I don't feel right. Like turning around the car and like, they'll message me later and be like, why didn't you show up? And I'm like, something came up and then, you know, I, I sadly just got a ghost. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, oh, my head, my spidey sense has told me not to date you, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to say that, but still, it's just, that's what it was. Basically intuition yeah. is basically your spidey sense telling you danger coming. Will Robinson danger. Will Robinson it like, is. turn around. <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, all right, well, I'm going to start wrapping this up because I know we both yeah. have things to do in a couple minutes, but let's just end it with this question. What is the best way to simplify our lives and live the best for us instead of trying to live the best for everybody else in the world? I think the number one thing is to slow down. So we are built to move at walking pace, occasionally at a run if we're being chased by something. But we hurtle through the world at, you know, 40, 80, 100 120k an hour whatever it is with cars and we're constantly bombarded with messages and pings and dings and electrical you know impulses from screens and computers and phones and slowing down taking a breath you know smelling your cup of tea or coffee as you drink it enjoying you know all of your senses and starting to create a relationship with that internal world when you're eating things for example, do I actually really like the taste of this? Do I like the smell of it? Asking yourself questions, getting yourself out into nature more and slowing down. I think that's that first part of being able to hear what's going on inside you because when you first start with your intuition, it is like an unexercised muscle. It's not strong. It's not vibrant. It's not healthy. It takes time to build it up and you've got to work with it to be able to build it into something that is, you know, tight and honed and well-formed. Exactly. I mean, I agree. Like, I always have tried to take life as slow, like, well, slower than I even should sometimes because, I mean, like, COVID hit and, like, I'm unemployed and I end up being unemployed for seven months because my company was paying me for a long time to – well, actually, no, my company wasn't paying me. Unemployment was paying me for a long mm. time just because – my job kept saying they were going to bring me back eventually, which never happened. But, and I, my mom's, I was living, with, I was living with my mother at the time because before my wife and I moved, my now wife and I moved in, and she used to scream at me like, "You need to be out there looking for a job." And I'm like, "Why? They're giving me eight hundred dollar bonuses every month not to go work." So, <laughs> I mean, why would I go work? But, I mean, uh, I got to be a lot of video games that time, and I don't mind that. But, <laughs> so, I mean, I took a, I took, I took life a little slow at that point, and I mean. I just always been slow with like life a little bit. I mean, mm -hmm. I never been in a rush to find the one. Like I found her, but it took me thirty. We've been together almost five years, so it took me what twenty nine years to find her. And yeah. I spent most of my twenties heartbroken because I kept finding the wrong ones, and eventually I decided I'm staying single for four or five years to see if I can find the right one. But yep. So I mean, life speed is a good thing i agree like you should take your life at the right speed for you i mean everybody's yeah. different some yeah. people like to live their life like married at 22 kids by 25 and whatever i mean i just took my time with mine and it ended up working out for the most part but <laughs> besides kids that don't behave or clean their rooms but besides that <laughs> but please tell my audience where they can find you where they can find your book and just 
sell yourself basically to the audience. <laughs> so the best place to start is my website, which is www.amandakate.com.au. So remember the .au on the end for Australia. Um, my book is on most um, Amazon sites worldwide. It's definitely on Kindle. I think it's also on Barnes & Noble online in the States. So um, not too many bricks and mortar stores at the moment, but definitely online. Um, and, yeah, I'm on most of my socials, which are all linked from my website. So it's probably just easier to go there and find me from that. Great. People, please check her out. All my listeners, please check her out. And I... I will be posting your link to your book and to your, I'll, I'll be posting a lot of your links in my description for this podcast, so no worries. But Fantastic. As all my listeners know, you can find me at Paranormal The New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings on Facebook, uh, podcast group on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. And you can find me on TikTok as Juggalo Bastard Podcasts with an S. And you can find us on YouTube as Paranormal The New Normal. All the episodes are uploaded there the same day they release. And I want to thank Amanda for coming on. It's been an amazing episode. And yes, this has been more of a normal episode than a paranormal <laughs> episode. But I like those from time to time. It brings it brings the whole paranormal the normal thing into full effect. Full yeah. circle. I like it. But Beautiful. thank you, Amanda. It's been an amazing episode. Thank you to all the watchers who watched this one. And thank you to all the listeners who will hear this in January when it releases. I will see you all in half a week. Have a good day.